You're listening to Foresight, a podcast about making work better. I'm your co-host, Mark Edgar, a recovering CHRO, who now works as a consultant, facilitator and coach on a mission to make work more human. And I'm Naomi Teitelman, a former big firm consultant and HR executive, now striving to make work better one organization and one leader at a time. Every week, we'll discuss the latest trends that are impacting the new world of work to help you be a better leader for the future. Welcome to Foresight, a podcast about making work better. My name is Mark Edgar, and as always, joined by my wonderful host, Naomi Teitelman. How are you, Naomi? Great. How are you, Mark? I'm good, thank you. I was thinking with this episode, we should do something different with the opening, but I, I find that we're in a funny habit of just doing it this way, where it seems to work. One, one of these days, I'm going to put you on the spot and make you start. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe the next one. Maybe the <laughs> next one I'll start. But great to be here. 10th episode. This is a big milestone, Mark. We need to celebrate. Oh, yeah, that is 10th episode. Yeah, that is yeah. a bit of a milestone, isn't it? And yeah, we continue to get good feedback on the podcast. So thank you to all of our listeners. I think we've got into a bit of a rhythm. We had some really good feedback on the guests that we've had and some more guests lined up. But today we are going to actually cover a, another topic ourselves. So no guests today, just to let people know at the beginning. Yes. Sorry if that's a disappointment. Hopefully it's not. And I think we have a, a great topic today, actually, a newish topic. And I will keep you hanging for just a couple of minutes. But hanging. Yeah. How's everything going in your world, Mark? How are you feeling? Things are good. Yep. I'm kind of week, what am I end? Kind of week three into the job and that's going well. So enjoying that, managing to start to develop a few more new routines and different routines, but that's all going very positive. But yeah, everything's going well. Everything's Great. good in the Edgar camp. Great. Good to hear. What about you? I've been good, thanks. So this week we celebrated both my mother-in-law's birthday as well as Valentine's Day and family day is coming up on Monday in Ontario. So lots of family time. And while I'm not a big celebrator of Valentine's Day, it brings back memories of making those paper mailboxes at school and picking which Valentine's Day cards I'm going to give to different friends, which ones I'm going to get from my friends, which was a really favorite time of year for me, actually, as a kid. Was that a big thing in the UK, Mark? No, it wasn't. No. It <laughs> oh, was, I, I feel think... badly for you. You didn't no. get those little Valentine's cards that said two from, and even like some handmade ones were really special with doilies on them and stuff. You never, you never did anything? No, no, we didn't. No. I mean, we, we do, you know, I guess adolescent kids, there would be Valentine's, you know, being passed around. I, you know, I, I could claim that I you know, got more than my fair share of those, <laughs> which wouldn't necessarily be true. But I remember getting occasional ones, which I'm sure weren't from... Yeah, my mum or anything weird like that. But I did right. get some. But yeah, we used to just spend time deciphering handwriting and stuff. It wasn't as this sounds a very kind of healthy process that you went through in terms of your Valentine's Day celebrations. Yeah, like you wanted to you wanted to carefully choose which ones were the be mine ones and which ones were your the perfect Valentine. You needed to select which classmates those different ones went to. Very, I, I did it very thoughtfully, actually. And then cinnamon hearts were cinnamon hearts a big thing in the UK. No, cinnamon no. generally actually isn't a big thing in the UK. I have okay. To say. So yeah, Got I think it. that extended from just cinnamon buns to cinnamon cards just isn't really a thing in the UK. Oh, um, um, right. So that yeah, that's one of the many things. So cinnamon buns and Valentine's cards were combined in some way, or am I getting confused? No, cinnamon yeah. hearts. They're like little hearts. candy hearts, and they're actually quite spicy. So that was a candy that was only available at Valentine's Day time. Although now I'm sure it's available at bulk stores everywhere all year all year round, and I'm sure. 
sure our listeners are really enjoying us going really deep on <laughs> memories of Valentine's Day and poor Mark who didn't yeah. get enough Valentine's Day cards. Well, you know, that's that's, a, that's <laughs> that would be a longer episode for me to work through my issues relating to that. But but yeah, interesting. Yeah, so yeah. it's yeah, it's it, it'll be a big celebration in the Edgar household to make up for that, perhaps when we so we'd have had our Valentine's celebrations. But when you've been married as long as we have, it's not necessarily such a big deal, I'm afraid. Yeah. Well, well, that's okay. That's okay. Hopefully you had a nice Valentine's Day nonetheless, and let's get into it. So the last few years, Mark, brought us some catchy work-related phrases that you and I have grown to love and hate. So the great resignation, the reshuffle, hybrid working, productivity paranoia, quiet quitting, quiet firing, quiet hiring, anchor days, and so much more. And I saw another one a few weeks ago that I'd not heard of before, but it looks like it made its debut before the holidays, and that's a double C this time, career cushioning. So I thought it would be really fun to explore that one today. Mm, interesting. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, no, let's get into it. I think it's it's interesting, I think, all these different phrases that are kicking around. And I think almost regardless of whatever the term is, I, I remember reading somewhere that when you are able to make the term quite catchy, it does you know, really get going in terms of people starting to to share it more. So it's interesting that career cushioning, as you say, two C's there might get a bit more progress in terms of the alliteration. But yeah, no, it's, I think these, these terms are interesting. I think it's also just the fact that they generate lots of discussion about work, which I think is a good thing. You know, I think there has to be some positives there. Great point. Yeah, but let's think about that in terms of the check-in, because you and I have debated these terms a little bit. But if we think about check-in, what was your... Well, let me start. I'll start with mine, actually, in terms of what my favourite term was in 2022 when it came to a work term. And maybe a little bit controversial, because I think the HR world was a bit revolted by this phrase in all senses of the word. But I quite liked quiet quitting, actually. Hmm. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) She's not convinced. So the reason I liked it was two things. One, I think it was catchy and it got people talking about work. I guess the point I just made, which I think is never a bad thing. I think that gets people to really assess what's going on in the workplace, gets people really considering what should people be experiencing from work perspective, both if you're in a leadership role as as well as being employees. So I quite liked it from that perspective because I think it was the one that got, after the great resignation, I think it was the one that really got most traction in the workplace or in you know in, in in the media if you like and i think the other thing is it just it created a lot of debate i think it got people really thinking about what the term meant and whether it's a good thing or a bad thing and i don't think there was any real right answers when it came to all that sort of stuff i think it was actually the debate which was the the more interesting part of it as people explored that concept and and maybe took the time to put themselves in the shoes of the people who were considering quiet quitting, the people who were perhaps evaluating whether work was meeting their expectations. And again, I just think that debate's actually a healthy process. So for those two reasons, I thought quiet quitting was probably the phrase that I wouldn't say I liked, but the phrase that resonated most with me in 2022. What about you? So I, I'll go quiet quitting, but as my least favorite term of 2022. So as you say, it generates a lot of debate. I just have a really hard time with the passive aggressive nature of the term. So the sentiment behind it is not new. It's just given a lot of attention because of the provocative term and the introduction through TikTok that went viral, quite frankly. So, you know, as you know, Mark, work to live instead of live to work is a philosophy that's been embraced by many cultures, usually outside of North America for, you know, forever 
And I just didn't like the cynical negative connotations that can be harmful for workplace engagement and performance from the term quiet quitting. Just feels very icky and passive aggressive to me and insinuates a fixed mindset really thinking of jobs as discrete sets of tasks beyond which we should be entitled to opt out, which I had a really hard time getting behind, you know, but, you know, again, the sentiment behind it was, was there. And I, and I agree with you that it was really important to kind of dig underneath the term to see why this term was making, you know, such an impact. And essentially it's really a rallying cry from workers that enough is enough and we need to do better taking care of workers' well-being after three years of way too many unfortunate events outside of our control. So, you know, appreciate the sentiment and definitely think I liked the fact that it sparked debate and sparked discussion. But I think the negative connotation to it caused a lot of leaders to kind of just shut it down and not explore what's underneath, which I think is unfortunate. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting point. So, 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 so it's the question of whether it helped or not. So did right. that term help? And as you say, leaders... And I wonder whether that extends to HR leaders kind of shutting it down a little bit. So it, you, you've talked before about this kind of us and them mentality you know, in relation to hybrid, but it extends to other things as well. And I, I wonder whether it made that worse rather than actually helped in many respects. Yeah, I think in certain in certain respects, you know, having terms like that kind of anchors everybody sometimes to the same concept, although this is one that I don't think it's anchored to the same concept across the board. I think some people equate it to, you know, doing the bare minimum to get by while others are, you know, saying, no, it's setting up boundaries so that, you know, I'm not burning out, right? Which I, I think depending on how you look at it and how you define it, I think it could be positive or 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 negative or quite negative. So I think yeah. if it helps unite everyone around, you know, a coin term that really resonates with everybody, I think it's a good thing. But like you said, I think it sparked a lot of debate, which is great, but did it did it do more harm than good? I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I, I sense we may have a future episode on our hands here, so we should we should think about that. <laughs> Are we going back to quiet quitting, or is that <laughs> in the bucket of the big R? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. But let's maybe move things on to to think about this term that, that you introduced to. So, so like you, I I hadn't heard of career cushioning before, but I read the article that you shared, which we'll post in this week's foresight for people to have a read of that as well, and you'll also see it in the show notes. But let's start at the beginning. What do we actually mean by career cushioning? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, once we saw that one article, I think, you know, we did a little bit of searching and saw that there were a few articles on the term of career cushioning. So I think that this is another one of those terms that's nuanced, that are, are that's de being defined in a few different ways, depending on where you read it. So I like, I like this kind of definition and this description that it's essentially giving yourself a plan B or a safety net or an alternative option to your current job without actively looking for another job. But another article actually suggests a more active job-seeking action here. So I think there's a spectrum of how much, quote-unquote, padding there is in the cushion. So basically, mm -hmm. in a nutshell, it's anything you can do to prepare for your next role, building new skills, taking courses, keeping an eye on LinkedIn, upping your networking game, keeping in touch with recruiters, testing the market for entrepreneurial ventures, etc. So the term really comes from the idea of cushioning your landing. Okay. So it's almost so so it's the idea of you're in a job that you're almost thinking about what the next job might be. Yeah, which I think is healthy. I think that's a really healthy thing to do. And I think most, you know, most savvy professionals have always done this, right? You never kind of want to rest on your laurels and just have your career happen to you. But it's 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 gaining momentum for a reason. So I'd love to explore 
explore why, why that all is and could be perhaps, you know, more prevalent in these uncertain times, particularly with all the layoffs being announced over the last few months. So, so that could be kind of the impetus of it gaining a little bit of traction. And apparently it comes from the dating world where people see various people at the same time, essentially hedging their bets. So not necessarily committing to a new job or venture, but warming up the opportunity pipeline, if you will. Oh, okay. So, so our listeners get dating advice here as well. Who mm-hmm. knew that they were going to uh, have that opportunity? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. I'm struggling with that dating analogy a little bit. It reminds me of, we had the the marriage analogy in Gustavo's session, didn't we? So now we're into dating, but. Yeah. That, we don't want to get all sig- that, cynical here. But. <laughs> isn't that cheating on people when you're right, dating right. people? Anyway, let's not right. into that. Let's yeah. Into let's, that. yeah. <laughs> we're not espousing that. No. Yeah. I mean, so as you say, it feels like kind of common sense in many respects and maybe something that lots of lots of professionals would would be doing quite naturally but it's it is interesting that people are doing more of this at this particular time and i can see you know perhaps why that is in terms of there being so much movement in the labor market is that one of the big reasons do you think yeah it could be although you know i see this very much in the bucket of this is things that people always do, right? It's always healthy to keep up with your network and to not assume that your job is there forever, right? So so yes, I do think that a lot of the news that's that's gone on lately with the layoffs, the pent-up demand from the pandemic, people just making different life choices, over hiring in 2022, these could all be kind of reasons why we're seeing an uptick here. And the article also mentioned the impact of it being a start of the start of the year, right? So people are reevaluating not just their organizational goals, but also their own goals and their own professional goals. So th- these could all be reasons why we're seeing a bit of an uptick here. And also an article I saw in Forbes mentioned a recent LinkedIn Workforce Confidence Index report stating that 85% of American workers are concerned about inflation, yet just 44% feel prepared for an economic downturn. So all of these factors, I think, are at play. Mm. Yeah. So again, I guess it's just the the amount of disruption that's going on in the market just creates more activity in a sense. But the fact that people are being proactive in thinking about what they want to do and, and being prepared, I could I could take lots of positives from that from the individual perspective. But I imagine you know this does take or create a bit of a headache for HR teams. I think some of the talent acquisition folks that I speak to, it sounds like they've had a super busy twenty twenty two and the start of 2023 has been similarly very busy. So just the churn of activity, I imagine, is is what's creating a lot of work for people. I think the article referred to it being a bit of a headache for HR. Yeah, for sure. And also keep in mind, if if all of these are not, if if we are taking a more not as an active approach in terms of looking for a new job, but we're doing a lot of activity in terms of talking to recruiters and talking to talent acquisition professionals, they may feel that they're doing a lot of activity without actually converting people to come and work for them. So that could create more churn there as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost the fact that you've got everyone in some ways, I guess, they're a bit more informed, aren't they? Because you've got your applicants, your candidates, if they are thinking about career cushioning, they're probably trying to prepare themselves more in terms of understanding what's going on in the market. They're having more conversations, which arguably allows them to have make more of an informed decision about what job they want to take, which I'd have thought is a positive thing rather than just reacting to something because they feel this need to kind of move because for whatever reason, they feel a bit agitated where they are now. So, so I can yeah. see some positives here. Yeah, definitely. So what should HR teams be 
doing? Is there anything in terms of them thinking differently about this topic, do you think? I mean, in terms of HR professionals, I've always coached leaders to have a healthy degree of paranoia that your best performers will leave at any given time. So this really means getting much better at knowledge management and succession planning. And we should also pay very close attention to themes coming out of employee surveys and take swift action so that we're getting we're getting in front of anything that could lead to higher than normal attrition. So back to the role of HR, you know, HR certainly has a big role to play here, both in terms of coaching leaders on that front, as well as gleaning insights from survey data, because they're the ones that have the view across the enterprise and can really have, you know, meaningful impact in terms of providing their insights that they're seeing across the enterprise. But, you know, at the end of the day, we also have to think of performance management and performance acceleration. And if people are doing their job and getting it done well, then it's not actually our business what they're doing in their spare time, as long as it's, you know, as long as it's not in conflict with what they're doing in their day job, obviously. I I know HR teams are having a really hard time with exclusivity kind of clauses in their contracts and 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 what is competition and what are you allowed to be doing on your time off so that all factors into play here but you know i think i think just being aware of what's causing people to to look elsewhere and what you can do to kind of rein them back in and re-engage them and re-recruit them into into the organization are things that hr can certainly help with yeah yeah so it's almost being proactive again in getting the insights to understand what's going on almost at an organizational level, but I imagine this is such an individual thing as well. So a lot of yeah. it's down to leaders to have that sense of, of what's going on. We always used to be an advocate of, I don't know if ever use stay interviews, we used to call them, but it was, and essentially it was just another term for staying close to your people and yeah. kind of catching up with them and knowing what was going on. But I think that's, you know, the, the, that old adage that people, what do they say? People leave leaders and leave companies and I don't know. Gonna, <laughs> I think join companies that. and lead leader, leave leaders. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's something about yeah. staying close to your, I think definitely saying as a leader, staying close to your people and understanding what's going on is important, but HR can certainly help there as well, can't they? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And there's individual responsibility for sure here as well. And like I said, you know, savvy professionals do this all the time and we need to be in the driver's seat of our own career. So if we want to call it career cushioning because it's a catchy, catchy phrase, that's fine. But at the end of the day, this is what all working people should be doing, right? We should be, you know, evaluating what's next, evaluating, you know, what we want out of our career, short, medium and longer term. So, you know, I I know there was a question around how ethical is career cushioning in the article and you have to do it in such a way that you're not letting your current responsibility slip, period. And so the article suggested five things you can do to career cushion in the right way. Of course, we need kind of five tips here, which I I appreciated some more than others, but they were, I'm just going to canter through them. And then listeners, you can take a look at the article to get more information on what they mean by each of these things. But there was upskill, there was define your values and skills, There was apply an interview, which speaks more to the active piece of it, the active Mm -hmm. job seeking piece. Examine how unstable your job is, which that's the one that I'm not so sure I agree with because you can't assume that your job is ever stable and it shouldn't be the only reason that you're kind of taking care of what's next in your career, in my mind at least. And then trying a side hustle, which again, I don't know is always related to the way you're experiencing your current job. You just may have a passion outside of work that you want to try out as a side hustle. And then I have two really critical and related ones that I would add to the list. So number one, keeping your network active. So really keeping up with the people that you have relationships with inside and outside of the organization and also participating in communities that inspire you, both professional related and personal related. 
So, you know, whether your next step is entrepreneurial or within the same or another organization, sponsorship, we know, Mark, is hugely important. And keeping up relationships is the best thing you can do when you don't need a job. So anything that you would you would share or you would add to to the list in the in the article? I, I love those suggestions. I think yeah, networking, I think, is a really interesting one. I, I do find that people aren't consistent in how they keep their networks up to date. So it feels very much an activity that people come back to when they kind of have time. Mm-hmm. And I've always been of the philosophy that it's something that you almost like need to continue to nurture and continue to maintain. And, and there's all sorts of ways of doing that in a very sensible way without it feeling overbearing. Right. You you always want it to feel natural and authentic to who you are. So, you know, I'm not a big fan of the term networking in general. It makes me feel, you know, icky, but I think that's the second time I use the word icky. Like dating. Like the dating thing again. (laughs) But, But nevertheless, you know, finding ways to make sure that you're staying connected to the people who matter in your professional world is really critical, whether you are career cushioning or you're not formally career cushioning. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think networking should quite quickly become just building and maintaining relationships if you approach it in the right way and it becomes a very you know kind of natural authentic two-way thing and then it doesn't feel icky to use your word but so I think that's definitely one that that I was curious about the other one in terms of try a side hustle I think is interesting because I, I see lots of people doing that I think it's increasingly easy for people to to do that and to find the opportunity to to kind of do both but to your point I think you have to also kind of maintain focus on the work that you're doing. Uh, I think that, yeah, we, we know that the world of work is going to change. So people are doing maybe a whole career of, you know, essentially side hustles and they've got all sorts of different projects on the go. Almost the idea of, you know, a portfolio career, I think is going to become increasingly common. And I think as HR professionals, we'll have to think differently about the relationship we have with people and making sure that we are able to kind of be flexible in how we meet their needs. And that might allow them to think differently about what relationship they have with the company and you know, ultimately find a bit of a win-win situation. So I think that's side hustles, I think are an interesting one to, to almost encourage in some respects once you get your head around that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, back to a topic that we've brought up, you know, in the context of hybrid working and in the context of just the world of work changing is just this this concept of getting really good at defining goals and knowing if someone is on track and really being very outcomes focused. And then you're less worried about what people are doing, you know, in their spare time. One of the articles referred to, you know, people should be focused on their job full time. And I totally disagree with that, right? Like people cannot, I mean, we're talking about work-life balance and, and the need to get there and the need to, you know, to, to break this, this cycle of burnout. And so, exclusively focusing on your job is not the way to get there. So maybe I misinterpreted what was in the article, but I didn't, I didn't have a great reaction to that part. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all those other interests, they, yeah, they, they make you the whole person you are that are going to influence and improve your performance in your role, you'd have thought. So yeah. again, I'm with you on that one. I think it should be something that should be encouraged, but it, it, yeah, the idea of full time, maybe is if somebody's working 37 hours a week, people think, well, they, Maybe that's what they mean by full time. And contractually, if that's what they're obliged to do, then there's a certain logic to that. But it's understanding how they use that time is perhaps the the more relevant thing. Yeah, makes sense. So yeah, career cushioning, interesting topic. So there's a link to the article in this week's foresight as well. So have a read of that to get other people's perspectives and let us know how you feel about that topic. Yes. 
Okay, so let's end with a feel good. So Naomi, what are you feeling good about right now? So this is a little silly, but you'll get to know my Peloton mania a little bit. So I am a big fan of Peloton, which is a stationary bike for those who don't know that has really great content, really great instructors. It's gone kind of viral over the pandemic. And I just found out that Peloton Studios in New York is expanding their in-person classes to include Thursday and Monday. So I am really hoping to get to New York for a live Peloton class in the next year or so and get back to the studio and connect in person with some fellow Pelotonians. Pelotonians, is that a thing? <laughs> no, I just made that up. <laughs> I just made that up. What about you, Mark? What That's, are you feeling good about? I, I, I'm feeling good about you doing doing Peloton. So yeah, <laughs> Naomi and I are fellow, we're, well, we're Pelotonians, I guess, that new word. We do uh, kind of follow each other a little bit on Peloton, but I'm sure there's lots of listeners who are also interested in Peloton, but I'll avoid going down that rabbit hole this particular episode. I wanted to share a podcast, actually. So as podcasters, I think it's always great to share the other podcasts that inspire us in many respects. And the one I wanted to recommend today, which I have to say I've been listening to for quite a long time, is Brave New Work, which is a podcast from a company called The Ready. So I put the link in the show notes. I definitely recommend people try that out. They have a very interesting way of thinking about how organizations are structured to the very much into the idea of decentralized autonomous organizations. So it's some quite provocative content that they have in their podcast. And to be honest, that's also where I stole the idea of us doing a check-in in our podcast every episode. So you'll hear that in that episode. So take a listen to that. You'll have the link in the show notes for that one. But for us, Naomi, we have future episodes coming up. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what's coming up next week? Yes. So before you go, a heads up to our listeners that next week, we have a very special guest interview with Tatiana Figueredo, who is the founder of Building a Community Business, or BACB. And we'll talk about the growing importance of community and the ways to build community, not just in real life, but digitally. So I'm really, really looking forward to that guest episode and hopefully everybody will tune in. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we will see everybody next week. Thank you for listening today. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to Foresight. If you enjoyed the episode, we would love to hear from you. Leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your ratings and reviews also help more people like you find our show so that we can reach more future forward leaders and achieve our mission of making work better. Follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Future Forward and sign up for our weekly newsletter, Foresight, on our website, futureforward.com. That's F-U-T-U-R-E-F-O-H-R-W-A-R-D.com where we share even more about the new world of work. Talk to you next week.